We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Happy holidays, you ho-ho-hos. Santa Claus isn't real. Oh, wait, don't tell Jason. So you can be as naughty as you want this season. Make like George Stewart and reassign your funds to purchase a Manscaped product to help make your reindeer with the big red nose look its best as it brings holiday cheer. My favorite product is the Lawnmower 3.0. I just love how hard I can throw it at my television after the Chargers allow another blocked punt. Join me in frustration by using the code GUILTY at checkout for a 20% discount to purchase yours today. Or later, even if you're late, it's better than 3 and 8. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast with Steven and Alex. Uh, we're happy to be here today on a Tuesday, getting ready for the Thursday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, first and foremost, Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Thursday night football, everyone's a favorite. And so we have, <laughs> to, we have to, you know, run our articles in and get all the coverage in before it starts. Yeah. But. I guess then we'll have a little bit of a break, but you know, that might be better or worse depending on the outcome of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we kind of get to chill on, on Sunday, which is, is always kind of weird. You know, the bye week is, you know, just weird. And and this is kind of another weird weekend as well. So uh, we'll see how it goes, man. I think this is going to be an interesting spot for them, but uh, you know, we do have a fun episode planned for you guys. We're going to start uh, by talking kind of about the Mike Williams situation that everybody w- was uh, tweeting about yesterday, uh, potentially trading him or cutting him or, you know, what have you. And then we're going to get into the injury report, our week preview, and then also just kind of talk about some of our takeaways from watching films. So uh, let's start with the Mike Williams stuff. Obviously, you know, he, he's a great player. He, he's one of the, my favorites to watch. Um, but obviously, you know, they took him in the first round and it just kind of hasn't worked out the way that everyone would hope. And so he uh, is going to play next year on his fifth year option. For those who don't know, uh, the Chargers will have to pay him $15 million unless they are able to uh, either trade him, cut him or agree to an extension. Uh, and if they do agree to an extension, that would take place of the fifth year option. So. Alex, what did you make of the whole you know discussion yesterday and potentially trading Mike Williams or cutting him or just kind of your main takeaways in, with that situation? Well, first, I mean, just talking about how Mike Williams has been this year, you know, I mean, his numbers are definitely down from last year, which was his kind of career year with the, you know, 1,001 uh, receiving yards. Um, you know, <laughs> Rivers was throwing to him a lot. Uh, it just felt like uh, he, he was always there to make a big play in a game. 
Yeah. And uh, to, to his credit, he's also been there this year, you know, with the, the big Saints game he had where he, he nearly saved the game before uh, Michael Badgley blew it. But, you know, um, it, it's just kind of clear so far that him and Herbert are not quite in sync yet. Um, but that's also because Herbert right now has kind of his favorite targets, which are, you know, Keenan, uh, Aguilar, and Henry. Um, I think it's a little unfair to be like well you know it hasn't happened in you know herbert's 10 games so far so it's never going to happen yeah uh, i i think that you know if those two build more of a connection in the off season or um you know we'll see what happens in these last three games but i don't know i also just don't think a 15.2 million dollar option is particularly movable if they wanted to um i don't think it's particularly tradable uh, especially in an off season where people are going to have kind of less money and you know, uh, you talk about the cap going down in some way. And I just don't know, like, you know, would people want to have Mike Williams and pay some kind of draft capital for him rather than draft their own guy they've scouted or, you know, or, yeah. you know, sign a receiver in the free agent market. That's the kind of thing that, that I think about. And I just don't, think te- you know mike williams is that enviable of a asset that you know you give up a lot to go get him um so i just don't think it's a particularly movable 15.2 million dollar option i think he'll be back um I-, I guess the argument could be if they really go receiver in the first round with devonta smith or jamar chase someone like that then it's like okay it opens the door to maybe releasing him or trading sure. him um but I, I just don't think with the way the receiving core is right now, you know, it's Keenan. And then, you know, if Mike Williams were to go, it's, you know, Tyron Johnson, Guyton, Reed, and Hill. Uh, we haven't really seen anything from a receiving standpoint from Reed and Hill. And Tyron Johnson had a great game uh, against the Falcons, but, you know, it's it, all about consistency. And if the issue with Mike Williams is kind of consistency, why are we yeah. going to trust wide receiver two to two people who are significantly less consistent? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, I get why people are frustrated um, just because it feels like he hasn't been that present uh, in football games, but I just don't think there's a way around him being on the team in 2021, barring them doing something uh, really unexpected or some really unexpected offer coming up. Yeah, you know, the principle of, of, of trading him, it, it makes sense to me, right? You know, you could trade him, you know, and, and in theory, maybe you get, you know, a second, a third round pick, and then you go all in on drafting a receiver in the first round. Like, that scenario is really what it would come down to, in my opinion, if they were to look for a trade. But, you know, I saw some people suggesting that they could get a first round pick for him or like <laughs> multiple seconds. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, I love Mike Williams and, and the way that he yeah. you know throws his body out there for the team every single week. It, it, it's just amazing. And, you know, nothing gets the heart rate pumping like a Mike Williams deep ball. It really doesn't. Yeah. But, you know, he's got one 100-yard game this season. He's got three to his career. He's missed nine games. Uh, and he's played through a ton of injuries in other games, including this season. He's played through a shoulder injury, a knee injury, and now a back injury. So, you know, like you said, I, I have a hard time imagining that other teams are lining up to to trade for him. And and maybe you could get like a third, like a late third round pick, like best case scenario for him. And um, I don't know, it just kind of seems like a uh, a lesser version of what was happening with Desmond King, where everybody was like, well, we traded him for a six round pick. It's like, that's because that's what his value was. <laughs> yeah. and you're not getting right. multiple seconds or a first round pick for Mike Williams. And so. I don't know, like the $15 million for him, I I do feel like that's kind of a steep price tag. But like you mentioned, you know, unless they draft a receiver in the first round or second round, you know, he's clearly the second best receiver on the team and you kind of just have to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Um, and like, I just don't think the cap works out in a way that like you have to cut him or something right. like in, in terms of cut candidates, like we've gone through them before, there's, you know. Casey Hayward, Chris Harris, Trey Turner, all are on like 10 plus million dollar deals. Yeah. Um, I just don't think Mike Williams has to be, I guess, the, the casualty of, of um, cap room and stuff like that, or just Absolutely. like move him out for someone else. 
And, you know, yeah, I, I do want to see what he does with Herbert in year two, what he does right. in these last couple games before really making a decision on, like, what's his long-term future here. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I just think that's another thing where NFL fans tend to not understand trade value. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, we could give him a first-round pick. It's like, <laughs> maybe no. a fourth. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just that's just what his value is you know it's not uh it's not like they're trying to trade for uh, you know james harden or something <laughs> it's mike williams yeah. yeah you know there there are teams for sure that could you know stand to have him on their team like the packers could definitely use mike williams or the eagles or the houston texans like there are teams that could use him but they're probably just better off to draft a receiver and develop that right. guy I mean, speaking of the, like, the Eagles specifically, like, you know, that's a team that's at the top of the draft, right? Like they're kind of in that Jamar Chase position if they want to go grab him or Devonta yeah. Smith or any of these other guys. Like, so it's a argument of like, you know, is there a coach or a GM out there that loves Mike Williams so much that they're going to give up, you know, significant assets for him and, you know, not take a guy in the draft or free agency instead? Like, so... And I just don't really see that happening, um, you know, especially when you can get kind of decent depth receivers or wide receiver two or threes um, for less than $15 million. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think that's the reality when you look at it. Um, I, I think there will, you know, there, there could be people who want to trade for him, but I, I, it's not going to meet, you know, <laughs> the expectations of many fans, I think. Yeah, and you know, you speaking of how this could pan out for the Chargers, right? You know, it stands to reason that Mike Williams and Hunter Henry are more involved next year in year two with Justin Herbert because right now, right. you know, it's it's all about Keenan Allen and it's all about Austin Eckler, and then everybody else is kind of secondary in terms of targets and touches and things right. like that. And and you know, there's no problem with that, but that's just kind of the reality of rookie quarterbacks is that they tend to laser focus in on their first and second targets and. You know, that's not Mike Williams right now, and it's not Hunter Henry. So, it, and, you know, Justin Herbert went on uh, Sirius XM Radio with Brett Favre today, and he, sa- and he said that, you know, the game is still kind of fast for him, and he's still learning, and he's still learning how to go through his progressions and learning how to, you know, manipulate defenses and throw with anticipation. So, you know, I, I think the best course of action for the Chargers would, would be to, you know, kind of wait and, and see how year two with Herbert and Mike Williams develops and uh, then go from there because – you know, there's, like you said, there's no one behind him and, and there are other ways for them to free up cap space without sacrificing a quality, quality player. Like the difference between Mike Williams and Casey Hayward right now is so drastic. Like I want Mike Williams on the team. I don't necessarily not want Casey Hayward on the team, but you know what I mean? You know, like it's just a different situation right. versus, you know, cutting one or the other. Yeah, I mean, it also depends on how this free agency goes, right? I mean, not that we want to talk about it as a possibility, but, you know, if Hunter Henry goes somewhere else, um, theoretically, you know, that's something that maybe opens the door for Mike Williams and yeah. and they draft a rookie tight end, uh, something like that. Um, so, you know, there's always things that can happen, but I, I just don't see them moving off of Mike Williams, uh, you know, so quickly. Um, you know, if, if it doesn't go well next year and there's still kind of some of the same issues we're seeing now, then I think they would just let him walk at that point. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think that is a fun discussion though. And I think that, you know, with all the possibilities are on the table for Mike Williams at this point. So we'll have to see what, what pans out there. So, you know, Mike Williams is one of the many chargers listed on the injury report for today. Um, (laughs) I've never seen a longer injury report in my entire life as a football fan. Um, But the good news is that most of the players did return at least in a limited fashion um you know we'll see what happens with chris harris he didn't practice either of these days but that kind of just seems like you know he's a veteran resting so we'll see what happens with him tomorrow uh it doesn't look like they're going to have denzel perryman again he has not practiced in a few weeks uh doesn't look like they're going to have brian bulaga either who is in concussion protocol um but trey turner was not put in protocol so that is good news for them looks like he'll be good to go um and really other than that i I mean, maybe they get Joe Reed back if they choose to have him back, but right. really Denzel Perryman and Brian Bulagar, I think, are the two players that will miss Thursday's game. Yeah, I think Denzel Perryman is a huge loss in this game. Um, I don't yes. really feel like he was 
totally missed against Atlanta because Atlanta has just like a terrible running game. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're running on Todd Gurley's arthritis knees and Edo, Edo Smith. Um, so I don't know, but Denzel, we saw how the first game against the Raiders went yeah. um, with Devonta Booker going on the outside and Josh Jacobs being Josh Jacobs. I think he's someone that you would really, really want to have in this game. And it doesn't Absolutely. look like you're going to have him. Um, it's just kind of weird how that injury has progressed too. Cause you know, the initial report out of that was like, Oh, well it's, it's, the x-rays came back negative and it's like, okay, so is he back? And yeah, I guess he's still not back, but <laughs> it is also a back injury. So, you know, yeah. th- those are really tough for linebackers and players like that to come back from. Um, Belaga would be important. Uh, I have no idea <laughs> nowadays if he's going to play or not. Um, I mean, he is in the concussion protocol, so I kind of doubt he's playing. I think it's probably going to be another Sam Tevy, uh, Storm Norton uh, on the ends kind of game, yeah. which, I mean, after seeing it against the Falcons, I'm not opposed to it. I think that's fine to roll with that. And uh, then you probably have, you know, Feeney and Turner. Uh, and then uh, I guess, uh, I guess Toner, or no, Lamp. Um, so we'll see if Turner plays, but it looks like he's not in concussion protocol. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think that's an okay O line, uh, deal, uh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. O line going against the Raiders. I'm not, you know, super thrilled with Turner or Norton starting, but Norton was okay. So, I mean, we'll just have to see how he keeps, uh, developing here, but, uh, Belaga being out again and Perriman being out again, that does, uh, that definitely concerns me for Thursday. Yeah, Perryman to me is the biggest one because I'm I'm okay with Storm Norton and honestly, like as much as they have invested in Brian Balaga, it just kind of seems best to shut him down for the season and and you know see what you have in Storm Norton and he's played sparingly. He's come in, uh, you know, obviously he started the game for Sam Tevy last minute. He's and he basically started on Sunday against the Falcons after Brian Balaga got hurt in the third game. And, you know, I did watch the film and Brian Blogger did take a nasty, nasty hit. And uh, right. it was unfortunate um, the way that worked out because when Brian Blogger is on the field, he's been a fantastic player. But I just think long term, you know, it might benefit both parties to be able to sit him down and then you can fully evaluate Storm Norton over the last three games. And, you know, maybe he's someone that you uh, can hold on to in terms of like a swing tackle spot next year. And at this point, he's definitely better than Trey Pipkins is. So. <laughs> um, you know, like worst case scenario there is that you see what you have in him, you know, the, the Raiders and Broncos and Chiefs. I mean, really like Bradley Chubb is like the only kind of elite edge rusher there that I would be worried about. But, um, you know, I think you can kind of manage that. And I think it would be fun to see Storm play out the rest of the season and just kind of be a, a good way for him to move into the next year. Yeah, I mean, Storm will uh, face a serious test this week against uh, Clell and Farrell and Max Crosby. <laughs> I can't <laughs> say it with a straight face. Um, but, um, you yeah, know, I, I, I want to see how Storm does the rest of the season. We've been wanting to see him the whole year over someone like Pipkins, and we're finally seeing it. So um, I, I think in the last three games, if he does pretty well, then re-sign him to another one- or two-year deal. Um, I think that that would be totally fine going forward. Um, and you know, he also gives you insurance, you know, if you do bring back the log next year and, you know, the injuries kind of do start again with him. Uh, yeah. I think that that's, you know, sort of how you would go forward. Absolutely. And this team should have learned this season that you can never have enough quality offensive right. linemen. So, you know, <laughs> I'm all for keeping him and even Sam Tevy, you know, I feel like he honestly likes, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the interior offensive line being a bigger need for this team than left tackle is. Like, I know that's kind of crazy given how, you know, the past has been, but like, I'm okay if they take, you know, an, an interior offensive lineman in the second round and they kind of wait on a tackle yeah. to the third round uh, and just kind of see what happens with Sam Tevy. Cause I think Sam Tevy's played pretty well the last few weeks. Obviously he didn't play against the Patriots, but you know, I thought that he played a really good game. Uh, on Sunday against the Falcons, he had a, a few really, really good blocks in the running game that freed Austin Eckler up for some big runs. So I'm kind of leaning towards them, you know, having a bigger need at on the interior offensive line than they are at tackle. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason why I love mocking Alex Leatherwood in the second round. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in every one of my mock drafts. I mean, he he just fits what they need so bad from an interior standpoint, can play interior, can play 
Um, yeah. left, you know, uh, ta- either the tackle spots, it's like, I, I think that that's kind of what you need uh, in the draft. And then there's plenty of interior offensive linemen in the draft. Um, in my one that we'll be releasing, I did take uh, Lindenbaum from uh, Iowa, who I think would be a really solid uh, presence who can develop uh, pretty quickly. So I, I would love to see someone like him uh, in the draft. But yeah, no, I definitely think interior offensive line uh, is a big need because that, you know, the Chargers tend to do really well when they uh, run to the outside and not so well when they run. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just so well. been very evident when they, uh, whenever a running back has touched the ball. So uh, I definitely think they need to get better when it comes to up the gut runs. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think, you know, the way to go in the offensive line, the next couple of drafts is just draft, you know, versatile, you know, talented pieces. Cause frankly, they just need more talent up front and, you know, you look at a guy like Rayshon Slater or Elijah Veritecker or Alex Leatherwood, you know, all three guys have played guard and tackle. So, you know, I just think, you know, draft guys who are versatile and just put out the best five. And if that's Sam Tevy or Forrest Lamp or, or whoever, and, you know, you just got to get more talent and, and, and frankly, better players up front for this team. So um, on the Raiders side, Henry Ruggs was placed on the COVID list. He is not going to play on Thursday. So, uh, Brace yourselves for Nelson Aguilar show, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, Nelson Aguilar is definitely a concern considering how much he burned Casey Hayward last game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think having not having rugs is kind of good for the team because you can kind of put Michael Davis on someone else now because like Michael Davis needed to be. Uh, the rugs guy. Yes. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. just just with his speed, like he's the only one in the secondary that can keep up with rugs to that extent. So, um, having him available to cover another receiver, um, potentially uh, Renfro, potentially Aguilar, you know, maybe they switch it up. Uh, I think that that's a really good thing for the Chargers. Um, yeah, no, I, the Raiders seem relatively healthy right now. Um, they finally have their offensive line back together after all those weeks of Trent Brown uh, COVID drama. Gosh. Uh, so I, I think that that's good for, for the Raiders. Uh, the thing that just has me really concerned about this Raiders game is just who, who, can, who can get Darren Waller. Um, that Because they struggled so hard with him last game. Uh, and Rayshon has been playing better since then. But... I really just struggled to see someone who can who can really stop him. It would be totally different if the team uh, had, you know, like 2018, 2019 Derwin right now, uh, but they they just don't have him. So that's that's the tough part about covering the Kelsey's and, and Wallers of the league. Yeah, you know, I, they actually put Mike Davis on on Waller a few times. Uh, oh yeah, they did a little bit, um, which kind of worked out. So. I also should mention, you know, Jonathan Abram, the the major asshole of the Raiders, is is did not participate the last couple of days. Uh, mm-hmm. He potentially has a concussion, I guess. So that could be uh, a big feather in the cap for the Chargers. Um, Damon Arnett might have a concussion as well, and their secondary is awful. So, um, <laughs> and I think uh, Richie Incognito is still on injured reserve, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Anyways. But yeah, the, the the Trent Brown thing is really their biggest thing because I mean he's played like two games this year, so um, you know that obviously is good for the Raiders. Um, so let's get to our uh, our keys to the game. I think you know we kind of mentioned this early, but the Chargers absolutely unequivocally have to do a much much better job stopping the run if they're going to win this game. And you know Joey Bosa didn't play last time, so maybe that could help. Uh, but then again, you know, they did have Melvin Ingram last time. Um, I thought the run defense was okay against the Falcons. You know, the reporters are kind of making it out to seem like they had this great run defensive game, and I just didn't really feel like that. Um, but if you're starting Joey Bosa and Isaac Rochelle, you know, I think that's better than what they had last time in terms of Melvin Ingram and Jerry Tillery. So, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens and, and how much effect, you know, those two will have on the run game. But you know, just overall, like, I'm not super confident that they'll be able to stop Josh Jacobs and even Devontae Booker. Like, the two yeah. of them combined for, like, 120 yards and, like, seven yards of carry the last game. 
Yeah, um, I'm not super confident. I, I feel better about this game because it's Joey Bosa on the edge instead yeah. of uh, Jerry Tillery and it's Isaac Rochelle instead of Melvin Ingram, uh, who had been clearly playing through all those injuries. Uh, Tillery on the edge is just a disaster uh, <laughs> from a run standpoint. And it I really know is. He, he forced the fumble against the Raiders, and that was a great moment, but like, Man, it, it's rough on the edge whenever he has to defend against the run. Yep. Uh, and I, I just think that becomes a liability. So I feel more confident going into this game. Uh, I think if you have uh, Tillery up the middle as a pass rusher, we, we saw it against Atlanta when he kind of got that uh, sack with Nwosu. Uh I think that that works uh, pretty well. So, um, no, yeah, I, I think that Tillery being on the interior is definitely better. I think they'll handle the run better. I am still concerned because it is Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker and they have yeah. Trent Brown back. Um, but I, I think they'll do relatively okay with it, uh, at least in comparison to, you know, the absolute shelling and was last time. Yeah, honestly, you know, the last game was just, it was bad. And I think at that time, Denzel Perryman was still kind of playing his reserved role. So, yeah. you know, they're going to need a big game from Kenneth Murray in this game as oh, well. Yeah. You know, they're they're going to need New England Patriot Kenneth Murray in this game. And I thought he played okay against the Falcons. But, you know, I was really hoping that he would turn, you know, the the Patriots game into, you know, some major steps forward. And, and you know, playing well in this game would be huge for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about using him in kind of a pass rush role and, and getting him out of the backfield. They didn't really do that against the Falcons, um, maybe because they didn't feel the need to manufacture as much pressure because, you know, they were getting to Ryan pretty regularly um, and, you know, forcing him to bad throws. So, But I, but I do still think you should use uh, Kenneth Murray in this game as that at least a quarterback spy, you know, rushing the passer. Uh, I think also works out, you know, that they just have to get car down. I mean, they kind of struggled with that last game, except for uh, a couple plays, but yeah, no, their pass rush definitely needs to be better. I think their defensive line as a whole needs to be better. And uh, the second level just has to step up with Kenneth Murray. Uh, I I assume, yeah, Kaiser White and, I mean, that's and Nick Vigil, if he can force a turnover somehow, yeah. uh, that's kind of, it's kind of a rough time for the second level of the defense. Um, but I, I think they'll do better this game than they did in the previous Oakland game for sure. The Vegas game. Oh man. The, the <laughs> Vegas game. It's uh, okay. I mean, Anthony that. Lynn called them Oakland in his press yeah. conference too. So it's, it's hard to shake. I get it. Yeah, no, it, it, feel, it doesn't feel like they're in Vegas yet because this game is going to be... Because every Vegas game you watch is without fans. So it just it's yeah. like, oh, this is Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was weird watching the the Browns and Ravens game and there were full fans again. It, well, not full, but yeah. you know, there were like, I think, 20,000 fans there. And it like I had forgotten what that felt like almost. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it felt weird to see that many, especially because, like, you know, I've been watching some of the preseason basketball, and it's like, you know, there's just tarps covering the stadiums, and there's no one in there. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's it's been a weird contrast, definitely, with that Browns. I, I don't even know what their stadium was. It felt like a full stadium for sure, um, just with the amount of noise. But I think it was only like thirty thousand people or so. Um, definitely a lot, though. But you know, hopefully after COVID and all that stuff, we can get back to, you know, that kind of fan environment again. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, getting back to the game, I I think defensively, you know, it it is going to be really good to see Joey Bosa out there because, you know, him and Trent Brown, like that's a matchup of strength versus strength. And like I said, in the run game, like they need Joey Bosa to have a big game because, you know, I was looking at some uh, advanced statistics and, you know, Derek Carr, when he's not pressured, when he has a clean pocket, completes about 75% of his passes. Uh, but when he's pressured, that number drops to 48. So, you know, they've got to be able to get after uh, Derek Carr and and make him uncomfortable and make him feel Joey Bosa's presence and, and do some stunts and blitzes and things like that. And that's really how you beat the Raiders. Is you, you know, you force them into obvious passing situations and then you got to get after Derek Carr and make him uncomfortable. And that's 
that's how the Colts had some success. That's even how the Jets had success and, and nearly beat the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, they got to get after Derek Carr and make him feel uncomfortable. We got to get after Derek Carr, but if it's a Hail Mary, we should drop back in a coverage. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, think, I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the Raiders, just the last couple of weeks uh, on offense for them, it's like, it definitely has felt like more of a grind compared to how they were just turning points earlier in the season, yeah. uh, even against that second game against Kansas city where they nearly took them out. Um, you know, and then they would have been the only team to beat Kansas city twice. Um, you know, when they were playing at that level of offense, it just felt like, okay, you know, this is a team that can compete with anyone. And now it's just like, okay, well, they outgunned the jets and, they got, you know, shellacked by Phillip Rivers and the Colts. And it's the Falcons. Just like, yeah, and the Falcons. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Falcons one was even worse, especially considering what the Chargers did uh, last week. Just, I mean, it, it's partially because the defense is just so bad for them, yeah. um, which obviously <laughs> we're heading into a Thursday night game with, uh, you know, the defensive coordinator, uh, Gunther, being fired uh, and Marinelli back in. So, you know, I, I just don't – I think that's part of the problem with this offense. I mean, at least compared to what they were last time, the defense was at least playing decently enough where it's like, okay, we can hold the Chargers to like at or below 30 points. And because the Chargers secondary was really bad at the time, it's like we can, you know, basically go into a shootout with the Chargers and beat them. Um, but now, like, I don't know if they can fully do that just because they're missing Aguilar in this – or not Aguilar. Um, rugs in this game yeah they're i mean they're missing a ton of pieces kind of on defense uh and they just fired the defensive coordinator so it's like i just feel like it's going to be tough for them to have good field position a lot of the time uh, unless charger special teams messes up but special teams coordinator has been a special teams coordinator lynn has been pretty good um <laughs> so I don't know. I've, I've a lot of mixed thoughts coming into this game, but definitely my main takeaway is the Raiders don't look nearly as efficient uh, as the first time uh, when they played the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's spot on. And, um, you know, for those keeping track, the Raiders are one in three in their last four games and the Chargers are actually two in two. So uh, a little bit of a flip of the switch there, uh, if you will. So I think you're right, though. I think, you know, defensively, this team is bad like the they're they're just not very fundamentally sound they don't play super hard they're not smart and, and frankly they just don't have a lot of talent their most talented player is Jonathan Abram and he just he's not smart and he's a dumb football player who kind of takes himself out of play sometimes and he might not even play so you know and Damon Ar- Damon Arnett is probably their second most talented player and he probably doesn't play either so <laughs> you know Jonathan Taylor and uh, Naheem Hines, man, they ran all over the Raiders' defense. So if Austin Eckler touches the ball 24 times again, I think Austin Eckler is going to have like 150 yards. <laughs> Actually, at 150 yards last week. If Austin Eckler touches the ball 24 times again, he's going to have like <laughs> close to 200 yards of, from of offense, man. Austin Eckler is going to have a huge game, I think. Yeah, I mean, I really think he could just based on they, they you know, I, you know, uh, Littleton was like a, a kind of big acquisition for them uh, and Kwiatkowski, but like second level of that defense just hasn't Bad. been very good. Um, and it wasn't that great when they played the Chargers last time. <laughs> True. Like, you know, and with this Chargers offensive line, like my only thought is like, okay, well maybe Clellan Farrell or Crosby can get a little bit of pressure, but I don't even think that's the case because Tevi's been better. Um, they didn't really get a whole lot of pressure on Herbert the first game. From what I remember, um, I just don't really know what the road is for the Raiders to make this a really tough game for the Chargers offensively. Um, And we talked about the defensive coordinator change. So maybe the, you know, bringing in Marinelli flips a switch. Uh, I just, I feel like it's pretty late in the season to flip a switch defensively and then really have like kind of a culture shock that like changes something. Uh, or, you know, has a light bulb turn on. Uh, so I don't know. I, I feel like this should be a fairly easy game for Herbert and, you know, Keenan Allen, Eckler, really, really everyone on the offense. 
Um, you know, John Gruden has already started the classic uh, Raiders uh, late season schneid. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's been four years running, so he's going to keep doing it. Yeah, I love that statistic the other day that said that he's been blown out more than like any other coach in the league since he's come back. So it, it's, you know, you've pointed it out a bunch of times where you're talking about Jack Del Rio that it's, <laughs> yeah. they're just, they're so inconsistent. And when they show up to a game and they're bad, they're really freaking bad. So, you know, and you're talking about the pass rush. So the Chargers last time allowed 11 pressures and one sack. Uh, four of those pressures were from Trey Pipkins, who obviously hopefully will not be playing. Um, and only one sack. I mean, that's pretty good for for what the Chargers offensive line has has been in the past. Um, I don't know when you when you talk about the Raiders defensive line, like Cleveland Farrell, he's really good against the run, but right. Jerry Tillery has more pressures and sacks than him. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. you talk about Max Crosby, he has six sacks or, or seven sacks, I think, but he's only got like thirty pressures. And so you know you compare that with like a high level edge rusher who has six or seven sacks, like you know Joey Bosa has eight. Joey Bosa has nearly 60 pressures. And so I'm just like not super worried uh, about the Charger offensive line unless Trent Scott suddenly shows up and, and plays in this game. Um, I feel bad taking shots at him. He's not even on the team anymore. Anyways, <laughs> I, I just think offensively, you know, the Chargers absolutely need to open things up more. And, you know, they threw like 17 screen passes last week. And that just it can't happen. Like the chargers need to go back to what they were doing in the middle of the season when their offense was, you know, putting up 28, 29, 30 points a game and, you know, just stop being so conservative, like sure run four or five screenplays, but they ran, they literally ran 17 screenplays on Sunday. And that's just, (laughs) it's not going to cut it against most teams. Like the Falcons defense is bad. And so is the Raiders, I guess, but you know, that's just, it's not going to cut it for a Thursday night game against the division rival. You know, you, you got to open up the playbook a little more and let Justin Herbert, you know, take some shots down the field. He threw 43 times and he had like 200 yards passing. It was just, <laughs> it was weird, man. And that can't happen again yeah. this week. Yeah, they were kind of <laughs> using Justin Herbert like he's, you know, Alex Smith. <laughs> just yeah, checking exactly. Down. Um, you know, you bring up John Gruden and I want to make a point real quick. Uh, <laughs> Jack Del Rio was 25 and 23 in his three seasons in Oakland. John Gruden is now 18 and 27 in his three years in Oakland. Oh my gosh. Um, so, I mean, is this the guy we're paying a hundred million dollars for? I, I don't know. Um, well, and I tagged you in that uh, defensive ranking thing. Yeah. And, and that was another thing that I was like, John Gruden just like, I don't know if he doesn't care about defense or what, but I don't know. Uh, it's bad. Yeah. Gruden's Gruden's always been weird for me. Cause like they, they hired him and everyone's like, Oh, well, the Raiders are going to be good again. I'm like, this guy hasn't coached in like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, and look, I, I love Gruden, the Monday night football guy. And you know, he was uh, so much you know, fun. awesome as awesome as a head coach when he was in, you know, Tampa Bay and, and getting that Super Bowl And initially in Oakland when he was there the first time, I, I just feel like time has kind of passed him by and like he, he tends to kind of start these seasons like pretty hot and it's like, oh, okay, the Raiders are in it. And then once teams start getting more tape on them throughout the year, it seems like the Raiders just slide off. I mean, last year they were what, six and four and they finished like six and 10, I think. And this year they started, you know, six, I think they had the same uh, or no, they were, they were six and three. I think, and now they're seven yeah. and six. So it's like they're pretty out of the AFC playoff picture at this point. I just don't know what this culture change in Oakland was supposed to be, because you know, <laughs> the the only time the Raiders have made the playoffs in the last you know eighteen years <laughs> was with uh, Del Rio. But uh, I just I, I don't get what Gruden is doing because he's three years into this rebuild, and it seems like they're just basically there <laughs> what they were when they started, just. Minus Khalil Mack now. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. And, and, you know, firing a defensive coordinator like that, I understand. You know, the Chargers fired Ken Wisenhunt, and it yeah. kind of kind of helped that get. But you can't fire a coach before Thursday night football, man. Like, what is this? What yeah. is Rod Marinelli supposed to do differently? And <laughs> Gruden was asked about it today, and he's like, we just needed a different voice. And it's like, okay. Like, you're yeah. expecting this huge defensive change with – basically one real practice this week like what do you think is going to happen right and i think it puts the defense in a tough position because you know especially on a short week like you mentioned like 
all these guys are familiar with Gunther, and it's just like, okay, well, now Marinelli is your DC, and we have two days until we play the Chargers. Yeah. Like, I, you know, who have been a top 10 offense in the league. Like, that. that's just really hard to – I don't quite get what they're doing there, um, but maybe he feels the need to make a change. Uh, I don't know why he feels so much pressure to make a change, given that he's on a 10-year, $100 billion contract. Yeah. But um, I don't know. The, o- the Oakland – uh, Las Vegas Raiders are uh, a really weird team, I think, just because of how they've approached this Gruden rebuild thing. And I just don't think they're very talented outside of their right. skill position players on offense and Trent Brown. It's like no one on the defense is really that great. And John Gruden's big moves on defense the last couple of years have been like getting Abram. Uh, and then outside of that, uh, signing Corey Littleton. And instead of <laughs> instead of Khalil Mack, they have Max Crosby and Cleland Farrell. So <laughs> that's been John so Gruden's moves on defense. It's like, you know, you could talk about Gunther or any of these defensive coordinators all you want, but the Raiders are actively in a worse position defensively than when Gruden got there <laughs> because right. of uh, all these personnel moves they made. If Max Crosby is your best, arguably your best player on defense, like you're, <laughs> you're in trouble, man. And, you know, like he drafted a lot of offensive players last year, and I get that you wanted to add some weapons and things like that. But you know, like you mentioned, outside of Darren Waller, like and Trent Brown, that's like about it. You know, Colton Miller is pretty solid. Uh, Gabe Jackson is solid. Ronnie Hunson is solid. You know, we don't know about Henry Ruggs yet. He could potentially get there. But on defense, your best player is either Max Crosby, who you know gets one pressure every game and then Jonathan Abram who just flies around doing dumb shit all game. So like what, what's the direction (laughs) and plan with your team here? Like Gruden, I just, he's also such the talent evaluation. I'm like Henry Ruggs ran a four, three forty. I get it. You have Justin Jefferson and you have CD lamb there. And now Justin even Judy, man, Judy. Yeah. Judy too. I mean, like I just don't, I don't get him uh, at all, but in regards to Max Crosby, uh, I think Sidney Crosby could skate faster to the quarterback than Max Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sidney Crosby. I'm not a big hockey guy, but Sidney Crosby's amazing. So, um, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, let's get to our predictions. I have a, I, I actually have a good feeling about this, but I'll let you go first here. Uh, what is your prediction for uh, Thursday night? I don't know. Like, when I first... Before we got on this episode, I was thinking, all right, close Chargers win 23-20, something like that. Badgley, I don't know, kicks a field goal, whatever. But, like, the more I've talked myself through this, I'm like, man, the Raiders are really bad. They are. Um, I don't don't know. I mean, look, Derek Carr can always turn it on. And, you know, you have Darren Waller, who's a really bad matchup nightmare. But it's like you're going into this game without one of your receivers – um, you're asking Aguilar and Renfro to step up again in a really big way. And I, I just don't know if that's super sustainable. The run game is an issue, but I also don't think it's going to be quite as much of an issue because they have Bosa instead of Tillery and they have, you know, and Wosu and Rochelle coming off the edge, uh, instead of Ingram. So I think that that's definitely an advantage for the Chargers compared to last game. So it's just like, what are the things the Raiders are doing since last game? And their defense has gotten way worse. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling a relatively big Chargers win. I'll go Chargers. Uh, Chargers thirty, Raiders twenty three. Um, I'll I'll go seven points. Um, I don't know. I'm just really out on the Raiders. I guess uh, yeah. just the way that I've talked myself in, through it, but um. The Raiders could certainly win this game. They're talented enough, but they were also talented enough to beat the Jets and beat the Falcons and beat you know <laughs> all these teams they didn't beat. Yeah, uh, and certainly I think um, talented enough to beat the Colts, but and not allow forty four points. But they're just not playing football at high level right now. They don't do anything like fundamentally well. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I and I just don't get the the Gruden fascination people have. But unless Carr really turns it on this game, I just can't see him overcoming the bad defense and, and the pieces they're missing and firing your defensive coordinator two days before Thursday night football. 
Yeah, you know, I I think I'm with you on, on you know the kind of game that's going to be happening. Obviously, you know, Anthony Lynn could uh, you know sprinkle his magic, his unmagic fingers all over this team, and they could you know <laughs> lose by a couple touchdowns. But I just think this, in terms of what the Chargers do well, I think this is a good matchup for them overall. I think Austin Eckler is going to have a big day. I think Justin Herbert, if they allow him to be a little more aggressive, could have a big day maybe break the touchdown record on Thursday. That would be amazing. Um, That would be a lot of fun. But I just think overall the Chargers, you know, I think they're going to use this Falcons game hopefully as a little momentum and get some positive positive momentum towards next season. I don't know if they'll win the next two, but I do think that they will be able to beat the Raiders on Thursday night. Um, I initially was thinking a kind of a close game too, but just kind of sitting here talking with you, I think, you know, if they do open things up for Herbert, I think they could definitely win by a touchdown. So you said 30 to 23 or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'll go a little bit less. I'll go 27 to 20. Um, mm. I just think, you know, the pace of play that the Chargers have been using the last couple of games, uh, maybe not as much of a shootout. Um, but I do think that this team could beat the Raiders by a full touchdown like you do as well. Yeah, no. I mean, I think it's all just about uh, keeping turnovers to a minimum. I mean, <laughs> Philip Rivers had like one of the worst games I've ever seen him play against uh, the Raiders last year. And they still almost won that game. Yeah. It was a possession possession game until the very end. Um, and the Raiders are are better this year than they were last year, but they just the last four or five games have been a nightmare. Um, and I, I just don't think they're going to recover. This is how the Raiders have been under Gruden uh, when it comes to the end of the year. And I just don't see it changing this year unless um, Derek Carr really turns it around for him. But I don't know. Uh, I feel very confident coming into this game. because I know it's weird. It's weird because I've picked the against the Chargers like the last four weeks right against the Falcons so um yeah I don't know I mean I kind of hope they win this game Uh, I know there's a lot of discussion about like oh is momentum more important for next season or draft position but like and you know I got into this debate with people uh on Twitter about momentum and how things are going forward and it's like well you know I don't believe in momentum because you know 2018 momentum didn't carry into 2019 and stuff like that um, but I don't know. I think momentum is important this year. Uh, I mean, Justin Herbert is still very young. He, he just had his first game winning drive, uh, right, which was yeah. really, you know, fun to watch. Uh, I think he wants to string more of those together and he wants to, I'm not going to be against it because, oh, well, we need to have the fifth pick or the fourth pick, you know? Right. Um, I, I think that this is a very young team compared to that 2018 Chargers team, which had, a lot of uh, veterans on it. Uh, now this team is, is is pretty young when it comes to the offensive positions outside of, you know, really Keenan and, and Bosa and Melvin Ingram has been injured. So other than the kind of vets on the team, I think a lot of players are really young and looking for more playing time, uh, looking to make an impact. We, we saw this last game with Tyron Johnson um, and uh, some of the other players. So, I think this is a young team that wants to string some wins together. And if the difference is, you know, well, they pick ninth instead of fourth, I don't care. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. And, you know, right now they're picking fourth. They're not getting Panay Sewell. Like, it's just not happening. And yeah. people keep on asking me, like, well, what if they trade up? It's like, <laughs> they're not trading up, you guys. The Jets and the Jaguars are taking quarterbacks. They're not trading down. Yeah. The You know, the <laughs> second that Joe Burrow got hurt, Panay Sewell might as well have signed his contract with the Bengals. So, yeah, you know, give me a win against the Raiders, and you know how awesome would it be that you know the Raiders get knocked out of the playoff hunt by Philip Rivers and Justin Herbert in back-to-back weeks? So, I've always hated the Raiders, man, and a win against the Raiders on Thursday night on prime time, you know, Justin Herbert potentially setting a rookie passing record, like that. Just I don't really care if they lose or or win, but you know, I want them to win, and I think this is a good spot for them, and. Like you mentioned, I don't care about draft order right now, whether it's fourth, fifth, ninth, you know, we kind of know what the Chargers need and really it doesn't make a difference to me in terms of where they're picking. What matters to me is what Justin Herbert is doing and and more than anyone else, like that right there, getting wins for him 
would do a lot for his confidence because this season has been so tough in terms of winning and losing close games. And if they're able to win, you know, three of their last four games or even two of their last four games, you know, I think that does a lot for his confidence more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I just want to leave it off on this note. Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders, whatever you are, you have wronged Jack Del Rio for the last time. <laughs> and I, hope, I hope you fall because of this, and I hope that you miss the playoffs. I, I hope that everything goes wrong for you because of what you did. Yeah, man. <laughs> they did Jack Del Rio really dirty, man. They really did. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of them getting to the playoffs, they pretty much have to win out. Uh, and yeah. need some help and especially after the Ravens beat the Browns like you know the Raiders pretty much have to win out and they play at Miami I think I know they play Miami next week I'm not sure if it's in Vegas or in Miami but uh, I don't think the Raiders are going to win out I, mm, I just no, don't I don't think so so you know the fact that the Chargers could be the spoilers and you know put that stamp and stamp that fire out I just think that would be so much fun for me and and really for everybody else on the team and the fan base, I think, you know, getting back-to-back wins would be huge for this team. Yeah. I mean, the three horsemen of ending the Raiders this year could be Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and uh, Lamar Jackson off the shitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those, those could be the three quarterbacks that ended the Raiders. You know, the fact that they all like tripled down on him cramping is, is just, <laughs> you know, pun intended. It's a load of crap, man. Like I know, I know a poop walk when I, or a poop run when I see one and, that man 100%, 100% took a shit in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that that's the case. I mean, he, he said he didn't Paul Pierce it, but I think he Paul Pierce it. Um, 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have nothing else to add. I think that's where we can leave the show off. <laughs> I agree, man. So that'll do it for us today, guys. As always, make sure if you have any questions uh, for us, you know, leave a review and ask them in the in the review, and we will get to them. Uh, you know, Christmas is coming up as well, so take advantage of that uh, discount code that we have for you guys at Manscaped. You know, they sent us some cologne uh, recently, and it smells great. You know, they have a lot of good products as well. So. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you guys again on Thursday. Uh, hopefully the Chargers are able to play spoiler and win this game. I really think they're in a good spot. Um, either way, we'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for your support.